Welcome to Into Theology, where Ian <laughs> is yawning loudly, as he will be for the rest of the episode. Yep. We are still looking at Thomas Aquinas' Summa. We're in questions 15, 16, and 17 on ideas, truth, and falsity. They're actually all, I mean, everything's kind of connected. Knowledge was connected to ideas, but ideas, truth, and falsity do seem to be linked together. Because in this one, we're, we're beginning to learn that the ideas in God's mind, those eternal ideas, are what bring, bring, bring shape to everything else. And so truth is just affirming what God knows is true. And falsity is, well, it's opposite. So I think we sort of talked about a passage that you could read. I don't know if we really yeah. said for sure you'd read it, but on page 136. <laughs> I see <assume> yawning. <laughs> Wait, no, not on 136. <laughs> no, 146. I got that wrong. <laughs> it's on 146? Yeah. On page 146, uh, so, reply to objection question, one. Question 16, fourth article, whether good is logically prior to the true, and it's a reply to objection one. And objection one says that uh the the objector would say that god uh, that good is logically prior to the true and so he's going to respond to that in a in an interesting way like in a now this word in our day is not so uh it's not so well liked but he kind of nuances things here a little bit it seems like he's a nuance bro yeah so bad you know he can't commit to anything that's but right no, uh, the the, the, there is this sense where i i appreciate um what he's saying here in reply to objection one because i the way i sort of have understood like the the kind of history of philosophy especially in the middle ages where you know you have all these problems with voluntarism you know the notion that will is primary and so kind of power is primary both in god and in the human soul with scotism or whatever and so I'm like, oh, we're going to be pure intellectualists then is the opposite of that. And in a sense, then um, Thomas is kind of I mean, he's more the intellectualist, but there's like a kind of right. he's explaining kind of a both and in a way. And just to make those really like to set up just for someone who maybe is less familiar. Yeah. A voluntarist is someone who just like you do you. You just choose whatever you want. That's the most important thing in the world. Yeah. An intellectualist is like, it's going to be reasonable and you got to know the answer. And then you choose to do what you're going to do. It's sort of like STEM versus humanities. Humanities are like, I love poetry and feelings. That's a voluntarist. STEM is like <laughs> math and science. That's a realist intellectualist. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Then I guess I'm a voluntarist then. I yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're, we're all about feelings and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, I'm being a bit silly, but like just yeah, to yeah. give you like common ways to think about it. That's sure. not accurate, of course, because you know historians humanities and they but we're just trying to i'm just trying to get it i don't know more straightforward yeah and like the idea is like it's it's kind of like it re redounds down to like powers or faculties right so like if we're thinking of the human soul an intellectualist will say that the primary faculty of the soul is the intellect and so then we you know we we proceed uh in terms of reason whereas a voluntarist will say that the primary faculty of the soul is the will and so this gets into all kinds of problems when it comes to god because if god is if we understand god primarily in a voluntarist way he can do things by sheer virtue of his will or power right. they can actually like you know break re something that would be reasonable and here's like an example which you hear sometimes <clears throat> god is all about love he loves us so much that he chooses to love us that he breaks his own rules Right, right. Some laws. You're like, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Yeah. So God can just kind of change his promises here and there because he loves us so much. He can do whatever he wants. Like that's the kind of way you hear it today in Christian circles anyways. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, but like the, the other thing that sometimes you'll hear about it too, is that God can actually like violate things that are reasonable. Right. So if, if it's reasonable in God to, you know, have his own, you know, he has his own eternal law. Uh, yet if he wants to, by virtue of his will, he could violate it, or we would be commanded to like we, if God told us to murder, we would have to do it. Um, I have a really though, mature question to ask you. Oh God, I can't wait. So could God microwave, microwave a burrito so hot that he himself <laughs> could not eat it? Yeah. Well, he doesn't have a body, so that's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> that was my really mature question for today. I now uh, want it to eat a burrito. <laughs> Why would he want to? Because Oh, well, I'm saying I want to, right? Oh now. yeah, I know. Like, who wouldn't want to eat a burrito? They're awesome. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right, so we read the things that were just read the Are we done the podcast now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm hungry. Um, Okay, but 10 minutes ago or something, we were going to read reply to objection one on some abstract question about something that I can't even remember anymore. (laughs) About the prior, oh gosh. The prior to goodness. The good is logically prior to the true. Okay, so anyway, okay, I'll read. All right. Reply to objection one is on page 146 near the top. Uh, Thomas says that the will and the intellect mutually include one another for the intellect understands the will and the will wills the intellect to understand. So that's kind of the key part of that nuance there. Uh, So then among things directed to the object of the will uh, are compromised also, or sorry, comprised also. So then among things directed to the object of the will are comprised also those that belong to the intellect and conversely. Whence in the order of things desirable, good stands as the universal and the true is the particular. That's a Whereas cool in the sentence. order, what's that? That was a cool sentence. It is a cool, it, well, both the whole thing, right? Like yep. you're saying in, your, in the order of things desirable, good stands as the universal and the true is the particular. Whereas in the order of intelligible things, the converse is the case. So basically then that would mean that what the, uh, the good is the particular and the true would be the universal. Uh, and he says, from the fact then that the true is a kind of good, it follows that the good is prior in the order of things desirable, but not that it is prior absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of helpful in that sense, right? Because he's he's he first of all doesn't he doesn't land purely an intellectualist, although he's no voluntarist either. And then he's kind of like making these distinctions, right? Because why why is um, uh, when we're talking about the true and the good? Something that's true is that which the is kind of like what the mind is oriented towards or the intellect, right, is directed towards, whereas the good is that which the will is directed towards. But because the good and, and the true kind of like there, there's a kind of like a, uh, a mutual relation between the two, then it means that there's a kind of mutual relationship between the will and the intellect. Right. Yeah. And I think like one of the things that's just helpful is it, it's almost like common sense. What he's saying, you, you can't. I mean, if you want to choose something to know what you're choosing, you have to actually think about it. <laughs> um, like it, it all kind of just fits together. Now, in us, there are sometimes our sequence of events where you think about something and choose, yeah. or you just by habit really love to eat pizza, so you just get it. Then you realize, oh, I need to. And we're talking about pizza. pizza. We went from burritos to pizza. Yeah, and then you get a burrito that's too hot to eat because of the microwave. <laughs> but I think it's kind of common sense. So you know, some people really try to distinguish these things where you only really think and you only really just choose what is completely rational, which is maybe a little bit more like a Plato type of view, you know? And then there's some people who are like the romantics where it's just, it's all about the feels and good vibes and all that kind of stuff. But I think he's, he's just saying like, it's part of like being an integrated whole person. Yeah. Um, 
a lot of people talk about like being embodied today. So, you know, you're not just, you're not just a body. Neither are you just a brain or a mind rather. But here like, he's kind of Jamie Smith's kind of stuff. You mean? Yeah. He's not doing the exact same thing, but he's just showing that you can't just segment. Like you can logically talk about the different faculties, but they're so connected right. that at the end of the day, they, they work to, you might say work. He doesn't quite say work together, but they do in effect work together. And, the, and the, it just depends on the object that you're thinking about. Is it a good or an intellectual object? And then how the will and the intellect correlate. It, it kind of makes sense, too, when you're thinking about it with, you know, in relation to God, who is simple, right? So right. we're making these distinctions. But as even as he says, you know, previous in, in, in question 15, when he's talking about ideas and how God has, you know, ideas, but he, he is, his, you know, he, he is in a sense like his own understanding, because mm. he's simple and so all that's unified in god anyway and so we we make these distinctions within our own minds to be able to understand things and so then those are these are these sort of distinctions that have to be made in terms of the relationship between will and intellect and right hey who do you think has the the best ideas who has the best ideas yeah like relative to just humans or just, god just as anything well? just in general Who's god the has the best ideas, ideas. okay <laughs> so what's what does that mean what's an idea Speaking oh, well, very interesting. I, I actually like this, too, where he gets in, right in question 15 in the first article, whether there are ideas, and then he kind of gives them a def definition, right? And he says, yeah. uh, it is necessary to suppose ideas in the divine mind. And he says, for the Greek word idea, uh, I'm assuming that's how you would pronounce it, is in Latin forma. So they're forms. And so he's just gone through all that, right, in question 14 with God's knowledge. And so it's almost like he's kind of repeating himself a little bit here in relation less to just knowledge, but more particular to the ideas. He says, hence, by ideas are understood the form of things existing apart from the things themselves. Um, and so um, and then in the in the second article, whether there are many is when he gets into the whole question of like, I think this is where he talks about simplicity, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, he says it's not repugnant to the simplicity of the divine mind that it understands many things that so would be repugnant to its simplicity where his understanding would be formed by a plurality of images. Hence, many ideas exist in the divine mind as things understood by it. Hey, this so is God, super important. Just yeah. kind of just quickly just knowing this, because the same argument against simplicity is how can God be three if he's, you know, simple and all that kind of stuff? It's God is, when you ask what is God made of, the answer is he's not made of matter because he created it. He doesn't have a body because we have a body, his spirit. But it's not the case that God somehow is unable to comprehend the things that he has made, the multiplicity of things. Right. Like it's just almost, he, he explains it pretty straightforwardly, but it's just kind of like one of those, critiques you hear sometimes which is just so weird yeah as if that defeats simplicity somehow yeah um, he's he grounds it in the fact that god is creator and he knows his creation in the mode of their existence is created and so but he knows that eternally and simply you know and it's in, yeah interesting because in the divine mind there are the proper idea of all things and here i mean it's a bit technical but all, all aquinas is saying at least in this article is look God made everything. So whatever's made, God already had to intend, you might say, yeah. to make those things. So he knows them already and he knows them in and of himself. So that's really important when it comes to truth, because when you ask the question, like, what is the truth or how do you you know, know what's truth and what's false and what's a lie and so on? Aquinas' answer is really God centered. It's whatever God basically made on the basis of these eternal ideas these are eternal truths in god that's true so when you affirm that the sun is bright or whatever 
you're affirming something true because you're affirming what you see. Don't look at the sun, though. What you see in the <laughs> created world, which is a similitude of the idea that God had for the sun to be a bright, luminous object. So truth is just affirming God. And that's yeah. why, you know, it's interesting, the gospel books, I think sometimes, you know, when people speak the truth unbeknownst to themselves, so they say, like, it's better for one man to die than a whole nation, like the, the Pharisees right. say, and then they kill Jesus. Well, yeah. in a sense, they don't know that they are, but they're speaking the truth. Yeah, they speak more than they know. They speak more than they know. And a lot of non-Christians who say a tree is beautiful or, or a sunset is beautiful actually are saying more than they know because that's true because God made it that way. And yeah. when you're a Christian, you have the ability not only to understand that inclination towards beauty, but the reason why. So yeah. like a science, um, I think he defines science maybe even here. Is basically know the or no wisdom is to know the cause of things. Yeah, yeah science yeah. is different, right? The wisdom is know the cause of things. Isn't that what it was? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, no, um, um, yeah, wisdom is to know the cause of things. A science is something that's like you read, you, you right. know, kind of demonstrated knowledge. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, that's like yeah, but yeah. So to be wise, you got to know why things are the way they are. So that's, I think, a good idea of biblical wisdom. It's interesting how it creeped actually in the footnotes on the bottom of 142 notes that, um, you know, like that there's a kind of this platonic element here to Thomas right? by way of, of Augustine, but in, not in the sense that there is like, as he notes in, in, in uh, footnote 123, there's no separate, separately existing forms in nature or anything like that. Uh, right. wait, so St. Thomas agrees with Aristotle, rather than Plato, as far as nature is concerned, there are no separately existing mm -hmm. forms, but he agrees with Plato, as far as God is concerned, following Augustine here, there are forms in the divine mind. So it's not like a weird, you know, separate category of forms or ideas that exist outside of God, even in like Neoplatonism. Or no, something like no, that. it's it's more practical. It's like, by, like how we think of ideas. And it's interesting, the first person who proposes isn't Augustine, as far as I've read, it's origin of Alexandria. Interesting. Uh, he doesn't use the word. Well, he might use the word ideas, but he talks about the um, the uh, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God subsists in the divine nature. Yeah. In such a way that that wisdom contains all the things that would be. And therefore, God's, in a sense, his form. If I remember this, this is from a while ago, so I might be getting an origin expert. It's probably going to be like, you're dumb. But <laughs> my memory says, and that's the reason how why God's foreknowledge works, because in God's divine nature, in his wisdom, he has seen all the things that would be and then made them to be, as it were. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of practical. If you just think if there's nothing, God thinks about everything and then says, let there be light. And there is. And so, therefore, God knows everything because he's he knew them to create it. Um, and given his eternality and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it really cements that idea. So it, it's interesting. So Augustine does it. But I, I get a little bit worried when some people talk about Augustine. Uh or Aquinas as being Platonists or Aristotelians. It's obvious that um, here he's a bit more like Plato, interestingly enough, but it's obvious that he uses Aristotle, but like he's just using the best way to describe things. Like even like the 10 categories of Aristotle, which is basically essence and then, or being, and then nine other things that are qualities. It's like all, well, not all, but part of what Aristotle is trying to do is just, how do you actually describe the world around you? Because he was like a biologist, you know, right. he was trying to think of, modern science so it's like for us saying oh this pastor talked about gravity and therefore he's a gravitationalist and doesn't love jesus you're <laughs> like good. you know what i mean you're like it's just kind of cringe i like that <laughs> um it's just not the way it works it's like oh he believes that you know this is the way that you know the earth revolves around the sun you're like just chill out man 
It's just we that's the language we use today to, to describe the world. And remember, Aquinas defines truth as simply stating, based on your observations of, of, with your senses, the truth of things that correspond to the mind of God. Yeah. So he thinks you can trust your senses. So when he's using, say, the categories of Aristotle, he's just trying to give you words like qualities and accidents to describe the world that he sees that he thinks is authored by God and is absolutely true because God made it that way. Yeah. So it's the opposite of being this sort of like pagan thing. It's just the best he can do to honor God with his mind. Yeah. And I'm sure if he lived in 2023, he may not use Aristotelian language. He'd probably use whatever we, I don't know how we categorize it today, Newtonian or no, not quite right either, is it? Yeah, whatever we use today, it. whatever scientific yeah. language to describe the way things are. It's just, he's using what was common to him and, and was, and really is the best that was available. And it's still quite useful, as you mentioned before. Like, I know you've talked about teaching a class where you talked about how a ball is always a ball, but it changes color. And so if it can be a yeah. red ball or whatever. And so I might have a ball. Yeah, I, was, I was actually just talking about that yesterday in a class. Yeah. yeah. So if I have an a ball accident, head, I'm still a human being. In fact, Aquinas is just about to say, if, if you had two legs and then through an accident lost one of your legs, you are no less a man. In this right. case, he means a human being, not a male. You're no less no. a man. You just, you are. It's a change in you, but that's language that he, the language of Aristotle helps him to conclude what the Bible says. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting when he's uh, on one on the bottom of 144 when he's taught uh, in the first article on of truth, you know, whether truth resides only in the intellect. Um, he says that the true and false reside not in things, but in the intellect per Aristotle in, in the metaphysics. And he says as the good denotes that towards which the appetite tends, right? So as a faculty, app appetites tend towards that, which is the good. Uh, so the true denotes that with, towards which the intellect uh, tends. Now there's this difference between the app appetite and the intellect or any knowledge whatsoever that knowledge is according as the thing known is in the knower, right? So you know the things, so it's in the intellect itself. Whilst appetite is according to, uh, as the desire tends towards the things desired. Thus, the term of the appetite, namely good, is in the object desirable, and the term of the intellect, namely true, is in the intellect itself. It's kind of interesting, right? It kind of grounds things in the sense of like there's an objectivity and a subjectivity. Um, oh, I see. So the subjectivity is the intellect, and the objectivity is the, the thing desired? Is I think that so, yeah. That, that's what it seems to me. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, right? But he's... Um, and so and it's not to say that ideas are only in the in the mind itself, because it corresponds to those things that are actually outside of the mind uh, and the things that have, that are desired. He says nat natural things are said to be true insofar as they express the likeness of the species that are in the divine mind. Can you pause there? Because that's like hyper important. Yeah. All truth, according to the sentence, is to express or name the likeness of what you see. Mm -hmm as uh it's a likeness of the you know it's a similitude or likeness of what's in god's mind so i think that's so important to think about truth in a god-centered way yeah i mean it's he's saying right he's like the definition that truth is the equation right or, so the, the the equality or the coming together of thought and thing is applicable to it under either aspect right so he's, mm -hmm, he's mm -hmm. grounding the objective and the subjective it seems like which flies right in the face of like modern plot i was like just teaching on descartes and it's like you know with, with the whole notion of like descartes where everything's just existing in your ideas you know your own ideas and that's kind of it 
you can't actually get outside of your mind into something objective. And right. Here, yeah. here you're, you're getting a combo. Um, you, one thing we haven't defined is uh, appetite. Do you want to define that quickly? Because it's yeah, ap- appetites. Pizza, so do you have an appetite for them? <laughs> yeah, I want a burrito. I want a pizza. In fact, actually, I wouldn't mind a burrito pizza. Mm. I would desire that. I would have an appetite for it. Um, it appetite would. is just the notion of desire, right? So yeah. like that, which the, that, that, which uh, the, like the, the power of the soul um, that does desiring and it always desires the good. So it has to be informed by the intellect, right? To know what the good is in order to actually desire it. And so mm-hmm. um, ap- appetites are basically just desires. Desires yeah. for that, which is either actually good or perceived to be good. Yeah. So that's a bit different. I mean, if, if to make it really simple, like I can think about a decision, what's the wisest and all and that. That's kind of my intellect. But if I just follow my nose and grab some food that would be my appetite but he's saying those things work together yeah you shouldn't be led purely by either or but i was just giving the the illustration of that i i just think this idea of truth though is so important that truth basically names a likeness that is already in god's mind so a likeness is something you see on earth that is premeditated by god as it were uh, I know that's an odd word to say, but I think that there's no pre it. in God, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, but you just, just for the sake of talking, yeah, um, or else let's just sit here in silence for an hour as we meditate on the divine simplicity. Um, but but I think the interesting point about that is, I think sometimes Aquinas is accused of you know thinking apart from God according to to nature and all that, but he's saying even when you affirm something about nature, the highest yeah. way to affirm that is to know that any affirmation you make about the truth of things is simply to name what God has done. You might put it that way. And he's about to define. Or even what God knows. Or what sense. God knows. Yeah, yeah, I guess because he's made it. But yeah, right. that's that's more accurate probably. But even when he defines um, what is false, um, I love how he says, and maybe I just quickly read it on page 148, <clears throat> even though I'm a bit sick, so I'm going to kind of read it weird. As per normal, how do you, how do you, I was just going to say, <laughs> as per normal, you beat me to it, man. Shoot. <laughs> okay. So, um, question 17, the first article, the, I answer that natural things depend on the divine intellect as artificial things on the human. So point is God makes everything in nature. That's how it exists. As we make something like art, wherefore artificial things are said to be false simply in and of themselves. Insofar as they fall short of the form of the art. If I'm trying to make a cow and it looks more like a, a kite, and it's obviously false. I'm not sure why a cow would look like a kite, but go ahead. Listen, you, I'm a bad drawer. Once a craftsman is said to produce a false work, if it falls short of the proper operation of his art. In things that depend on God, falseness cannot be found. Meaning everything God created is good, or 131 of Genesis, very good. It's true, which are almost equivalents, but he'll explain or maybe has, insofar as they are compared with the divine intellect. So if God wanted to make a cow and there's a cow, it's true insofar as it's an accurate representation of what God wanted. That's why it's true, because he is the painter of the world, you might say. That's what truth is. Since whatever takes place in these things proceeds from the ordinance of that intellect, in this case, God's intellect. Unless, perhaps, in the case of voluntary agents only. So this is what's on our part who have it in their power, capacity, potentia, whatever it is here, to withdraw themselves from what is so ordained. Right, huh? which is evil. Wherein consists the evil of sin, because God is not the author of sin. That would be absurd and wrong to say. Yeah. 
the sins it's, themselves. It's absurd, right? Because the good, that which is purely good, it's it's it's, right. it's not a logical consequence to say that the purely good can actually create something that's evil. Yeah, and there's roughly a few places, like in Isaiah, that says that you know God is the author of I think is raw, which is a word that often translated as evil, but it means calamitous. It's it's a natural evil. It's not yeah. saying that the inside of God there is a Satan. Yeah, and God made a Satan because he's evil. That is absurd and wrong to say. It is true that the, um, what we might describe as a natural calamitous thing, like an earthquake or whatever, has its ultimate source in God. Anyways, thus sins. Aquinas says are themselves are called untruths, which I love. Sins yeah. are untruths. So if you're sinning, you're uh, believing a lie. You're acting lifefully. Yeah. You're you're basically you know we say we're not true to yourself. Well, yeah, but you're not true to God more accurately. Yeah. Yourself in the sense of you're creating God's image. But if you're if you're living in a uh, inauthentic way, you might say you're living you in a way that like doesn't accord with the truth you of sound God. Like a modern Christian now. Ooh, yeah. not authentic. Yeah. But to be authentic means to live according to the truth of God, which is outside of yourself, not inside of yourself, in, in a sense. So a little bit different. Anyways, yeah. the sins themselves are called untruths and lies in the scriptures, according to the words of the text. Why do you love vanity and seek after lying? Psalm 4.3. As on the other hand, virtuous deeds are called the truth of life as being obedient to the order of the divine intellect. Thus it is said, he that doth truth cometh to the light. John 3.21. Man, this is so important because you see this everywhere in Scripture. If you love me, you'll, you'll keep my commandments. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, you're going to do the truth. You're going to act truthfully. You're not going to believe a lie. All this kind of language is um, that he's using, and he's describing it from a more philosophical point of view, but it's still biblical truths. I just think it's really powerful. I, I don't know. I think sometimes we kind of forget that truth can only be true because it's God thought it first. <laughs> your contribution is simply to be untruthful <laughs> to what god has made it's interesting too he says that right you know right before that john 30, 321 quote that he just read he says on the other hand virtuous deeds are called the truth of life as being obedient to the order of the divine intellect mm. and so thinking of that right so like That's you're actually pursuing, pursuing true truth right there's a you're you're actually a co corresponding to that which is in in a right order and then sin is like really that disorder of, of truth, right? Which is why it's irrational or it's against reason um, mm -hmm. because it contradicts that order. And then he makes all the common sense um, points like, okay, well, you might make a mistake in your judgment. And, and we might, we, we, we call that relatively false. Like if you say a cow is a horse because your eye, your vision's damaged. Well, that is a kite. It's a kite. Yeah. That, that's a kite, not a cow. Because yes. your eyes are damaged. Yes, in a sense, it's relative. That's it's true that that's that's a cow, but your judgment, uh, just through this damage or whatever, is relatively false. But not in the absolute sense that this cow stops being a cow, right. and, and somehow the order of creation that God's made is is changed. It's just making the common sense idea that sometimes we make mistakes, basically, and there are things that maybe can confuse us. Um. More or less, and he, it talks about uh, yeah. That's the second article with an unsound organ. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, and he talks about like how things, you know, like met, like you, you, you could have a medical problem, right? And this is what he's getting at here. So it's an unsound organ, like your eye is not working properly. It's interesting how he grounds it in accidents too, right? Like even in the replied objection two on the top of one forty nine, things do not deceive by their own nature, but by accident, uh, for they give occasion to falsity. 
uh, by the likeness they bear to things which they actually are not. And then in the I answer that for the second article, sense has no false notion about its proper objects, except accidentally and rarely, right? So when things are properly functioning, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, but when there's a when there's a malfunction, there's an there's this there's an accidental change, and then that's right. where falsity lies. And he also has a confidence in God that we often don't have in this way. Some people would not believe the moon existed unless there was a Bible verse, <laughs> because they'd say I'm exceedingly evil, so I can't see the moon with my eyes. Yeah. But Aquinas is like God is true. God made us to work this way. And therefore it does, unless you have, like you said, like medical damage or, or, or whatever, or you or you drank too much beer and are very intoxicated. Um, so they're groggy the next day, they're a little groggy the next day. Uh, anyway, um, the but the point is, uh, there's a sense of trust in God that he has that sometimes in, I would say, hyper conservative circles. They don't have because they say, I can't trust my senses that God gave me. If there's no Bible verse, and you're like, that's just a, that's just, it sounds so pious, but it's so convoluted and silly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like they're trying to take sin seriously, but they actually bring it into the absurd. Yeah. And it ends up making them judge reality falsely, which is the definition of sin or could at least potentially could. Right. Um. So it's, it's really a problem. I think we should end here pretty soon and talk about what we'll do next time. Cause it's super exciting. Am I allowed mm -hmm. to do that? Yeah, the next one's well, the, the life of God would be cool, but then ooh. I think we need to do love as well because love and will are often associated. So 18, 19, 20. So life of God, 18, and then 19 is a hefty one. And I feel like because it's A, it's long, but B, there's going to be a lot of technical stuff to, to deal with here. So it should be interesting to see how we do it. I think the life of God will be pretty straightforward. I hope so. I think the will of God will not be, but God's will and love at least in the tradition are often the same thing sure. or uh, associated right, law, love in terms of appetite. Yeah. So I think we should at least try to do 18, 19 and 20. And I think if you're listening, it's like, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun chapter. Um, We'll get into, I, I assume we'll get into some of the debates that sparked the, uh, the, the reformation in part, at least. Yeah. In terms um, of the voluntarist stuff that we're the voluntarist about. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of people are volunteering to join the army. And uh, it was a big problem. So the reformers needed to stop that voluntarism. Did I get it right? That is just a bad joke. I don't even know if that rises to the level of a bad joke at that point. <laughs> it was an uncle joke. Maybe. It was a stepdad joke. Hey, this was a great episode. I'll see you next time. <laughs>